that again. Sextortion is the fastest growing crime against children, but it's the most preventable. And how is it most preventable? By telling our kids that if you do take an inappropriate picture, somebody might use it to blackmail them. Exactly. And this has been happening. We have seen this happen. We have lost students from suicide because of this happening because exactly. they felt that they couldn't come to their parents. Exactly. And there was some studies that have been going around and they were saying approximately 50% of all students send nudes nowadays. Crap. That's shocking for most oh. of us to hear. <laughs> you know what she said back to me? It's about 70% of students are sending these naked pictures. And the father was shocked. But you know what I say? Don't ever let on that you're being shocked. This is just something to elevate our conversation to sextortion. And I tell you, I know this is a difficult conversation. I know it's really hard. It's, it makes people feel uneasy, but sure. let me tell you, it's a lot easier to have a conversation about prevention yeah. and bring up all sexual assault, human trafficking, uh, online predators. It's much easier to talk about it than to have to talk about it with a victim. So our community awareness, uh, prevention programs, the way that we talk about uh, all these issues with our children is so much better if we can just be honest and open about the situation that we're in, in this world. All right, we are back. Hi, parents. Welcome back to Parenting on Purpose, your podcast for parenting out of the box. We have a very heavy hitting topic today as we go into summer. Uh, we have Miss Carrie Pascarello with us. She is the CEO and owner of Global Secure Resources, which is an incredible company designed around student safety and travel safety for you and your family. So, Carrie, welcome to the show. How are you? Fabulous. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for in inviting me today. Even as an Italian, and I've said your name like 16 times, I was like so focused on not messing it up. I'm like, okay, wait, no, I don't want to say the name of the company incorrectly. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, um, I'm so happy to have you here. I, I had so much fun on our pre-chat and you also opened my eyes so much to the stuff going on in this world. And since we've talked, like I have colleagues at work whose kids are going abroad to study even in the summer. We have family vacations we're all planning and like safety is just so paramount. So like, first of all, I just love the work that you do. I didn't even know this existed. And I can't wait for you to share your uh, background with our audience so they understand like why it exists now because of you, but it's just incredible. So um, I'm just really excited to have you on. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yes, yes, of course. Okay, so let's start off with a question that I love to ask our guests because people who come to the show are very successful in their entrepreneurial lives or their business lives, but they're also successful family you know, members, parents, um, uh, moms, dads, kids, aunts, uncles, grandparents. So I like to ask, like, Carrie, you're, you have a business, you're very busy. Um, what, and you sit on several organizations and you're very involved. So what is something that you do, Carrie, in your personal life so you can stay, you know, you can show up on purpose and you can be present with your family while balancing all of that stuff? You know, that is a really great question. And I'm so grateful that you actually asked this question to so many different people when they come onto your podcast. And, and so the way I show up to be present is I show up with my values and I let them lead from the three F's, which is finance, family, and faith. These three things are integrated into every single thing I do. So any type of bucket a list that I have going on in my life, it has to go into one of those buckets, my three Fs. And my family is, uh, it's, it's what grounds me. It's my, my passion in life is to make sure that I'm there as a present mother, as a wife and a family member. And I am so grateful you asked this question because that is where all my success starts from. That's amazing. That's a great answer. And I like that it's so different for different people, but if you really like break it down to its core level, it's we have values, missions, or a vision that we then grow from. And talking to people like you, Carrie, and other people on this podcast, we're actually in the middle of redoing our family values and our, our, we're making a family crest with all of the things that are propelling us into our next level as a family and in, in our future. Um, and I'm just, it's been so cool to watch everybody have answers to that that are similar, um, but, but that's beautiful. Family, faith, finance. That's awesome. I love that. Um, okay. So you know, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, you go first. Yes. I was just going to say each of those are just so integrated too. And making sure that we're um, sharing these values with our children and identifying their values so that they can create their boundaries is a significant part to safety. Yeah. A hundred percent safety, um, personal worth, uh, self, self-efficacy, 
like internal low key of control. Like you think of safety as like a uh, two, like there's two places. There's like, they're safe in the world that they go out into and interact with it. But I also think of it as like how they interact with themselves and do they think they're capable of doing things, right? So I think they, they both go hand in hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, that's really interesting because that brings me to one of my formulas that I teach and it's the ICE formula and it's identify, calculate and escape. And Ooh. each of those components are such a driving force to keeping our kids safe, no matter where they are in this world, whether it's around the corner or the world. That's amazing. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. You, I really enjoyed getting to know your world from our first talk and delving into the materials you sent me. And it's like, it's one of those things that you don't think about often until it is too late. And then it can be just absolutely a travesty, just devastating to a family. And I know you deal with this often, which is why you have so much passion around proactivity in these areas. And I just think that work is so important because if you just do a little work preemptively to, to really set yourself up, you can so much more enjoy the vacation or the peace of mind that your child is off learning or uh, mission work or whatever that is, right? Absolutely. Yes. It's not about being fearful of what's out there. It's actually creating your backup plan, making sure that you're proactive, prepared and protected, and then blazing your trail throughout this world with all of your strategies, tools and techniques. And this is all a part of awareness. And with the more awareness we have of our situational awareness or, you know, the community awareness, even weather related awareness, all these components come together to actually improve our success in this world. Oh my gosh, 100%. Yeah, I, I love this. Okay, so let's let's start by telling people how you got into what you do. Um, I know you traveled a lot with your prior life, right? Because like this, you're in the world of safety and this, to my knowledge or to like the normal civilian, this does not exist unless you're like a civil servant or you have someone who works in the government. These are not things that normal people know. So I'm so excited to like get you out there and see have just introduce more people to what you do. So tell us like a little bit how you got into what you are doing now. And then I wanna delve into like, the things that you and I talked about on our pre-call that I think are heavy hitting topics like student travel, safety um, with your family as you travel, and then even more like uh, those are like events that happen on uh, cadences, but even just like the online student safety and then the, the human trafficking component, like stuff that's happening every day that your tools and tips will help as you do those one time cool family vacations. But they also help your kid like in everyday life when they're walking the dog or going to the mall, those type of things. So, um, yes, without further ado, tell us how you kind of got into this work and then we'll jump into these topics. Yeah, so really interesting. I, it started off with an adventure. I decided to quit my job in San Diego and I took off for what was supposed to be one year over in Europe, traveling around. Well, it just so happened while I was out uh, playing golf one day in France, I met a, a group of people and by the 18th hole, I was offered a job in Milan. And so <laughs> within a couple of weeks, I landed in Milan and I was hired and I started working. And shortly after that, because of my family's values and boundaries and our planning, I, they wanted to strategize my safety in place. And so they connected me with somebody on the ground in Milan so that in case I lost my passport or whatnot. And this person ended up being my husband. So oh, I met him and it was instant love. We've been married for many, many, many years. And um, that led me to spending 12 years of living and working abroad and ultimately landing my dream job of working for the State Department at the embassy. And so one of the key indicators that I found um, in my time overseas and some of the issues that occurred were how underprepared American travelers, American citizens were yes. in this world. And so I would talk with a number of people that had issues. And, and one of the jobs that I had at the embassy was I would prepare the duty agent for their after hours job. And this is the job where um, uh, duty agents will take emergency calls from American citizens, whether it's missing or a death or absolutely anything in between wow. those two. Um, and so what I really identified were how, once again, underprepared American citizens were. And so when I, when I, when I, uh, ended up moving back home to America, I ended up launching Global Secure Resources to enhance the safety and security of travelers. And this really comes from the heart of a mother because I was overseas and I had three children and my children were in school overseas. I had a, a child in every single grade from a first grader to a graduating senior. Yeah, wow. And my main focus was to keep them safe. And so this is what I did. And so I got really good at it. And so this is what led me 
to uh, developing the individual threat assessment plan or the individual travel assessment plan and also the student safety assessment. Now the student safety assessment is for any student going on anything from a field trip to a study abroad program. And what I found is if we could enhance our students' capability of taking care of themselves, then we are successful because we're giving them key tools for the cool toolkit to stay safe. Yes. And as a mom, knowing that my child is a few thousand miles away from me, it's what I impart on them to keep them safe as they you know, continue on their journey. And so in that vein, I ended up writing a book and it's called Study Abroad Safety, A Parent's Guide to Safely Sending Your Child Abroad. And this is where parents can, and students can go and really find the how-to exactly. stay safe while you travel abroad. That's amazing. Because two things come to my heart as you speak. And one is like when you're a kid and I've, I've had the, uh, the benefit, the luxury, the blessing of being abroad many times, um, backpacking to like, you know, family, nice vacation. So I've seen, I've seen both the like global bus tour, very safe to like sleeping in a hostel with your passport, like strapped to your chest. And like, I, I remember how they both feel quite different, but what, what comes to my heart is you're equipping your children, like you said, with tools that will not only serve them during that time, which might only be a few weeks to a few months, but they will take that knowledge and understanding into everything they do, uh, helping them with their own mission, visions, and values. And that also leads me to the second thing that came on my heart is as someone who travels a lot and who um, has always craved like international friendships, relationships, different type of cultural immersion in my own life, like I, I can see that there's so easily a fear around what we don't know. Like I, I remember traveling with a lot of people who are from America and other places, uh, but it was always people from like our neck of the woods who seemed to be very pensive and scared about, you know, going out there and having these amazing, what, what, what can be and are amazing um, adventures and experiences to help shape your perspective, your life, your values. But I'm just a believer in like energy. And when you go into something with a fear-based mentality, you tend to have a slightly different experience than when you go open-hearted. And then I, I'm a first principle person. So if you're having a fear-based experience, my thought is like, why? And the why behind it is, well, biology, we've been, we've been conditioned for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years to survive. And we are scared of what we don't know. And I have never found Carrie, anyone else who does what you do to help travelers or just people to get a baseline understanding of here's what you can do to be safe. Here's what you should do if X, Y, or Z happens. So now you don't have to show up with fear. You really can just show up with trust and know that if something was to go wrong, you know, like a flow chart, you know where to go and then just have fun. Right. Because I find often it's when you're not prepared. That's when that that tends to happen. Right. And we all know as moms, we all know that feeling like in our gut, like, oh, God. So I love that. I think that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and interesting, no matter what country you go to within our student safety assessments, we cover everything from crime trends to uh, lodging to civil unrest, um, yep. you know, uh, language capabilities in this. Late. So we have a full program of how to prepare a student before they go. And just as like an example, when I'm sending a student to, let's say, Mexico, there was a, a family I worked with and their student was going on a study abroad or not a study abroad, but a spring break. And so some of the um, areas that I covered before they left, which was our travel briefing, um, we covered the violent crime that was happening. We covered carbon monoxide. And just recently, wow. uh, we had a couple that was uh, killed down in uh, the Cabo San Lucas area because of that. I covered tainted alcohol, uh, date rape, gender violence, credit card fraud, uh, swim safety. There's so many categories that goes into it. And like you say, it's not about being fearful. It's about yeah. being prepared, prepared and proactive. Because you have to, if, you, if you know the risks, you can avoid the risks. And this is our foundation for travel safety. And so I think what's really interesting is after having a travel briefing, I, you know, it's that, that joy of the parent and the student knowing that they're ready for this experience exactly. of their lifetime. They know who to call in a backup situation. They know if something does happen, who they will be calling. They know how to get to safety if their how the uh, lodging is is safe or not safe. And so we cover so many different things. But it's interesting that you talk about this fear, right? Because there's a fantastic book, and it's called The Gift of Fear by Galvin D. Becker. He's one. Of, this is one of my favorite books. And what it says is, you don't want to be fearful in life. And this is my own thoughts of this book. You don't want to be fearful in life. What you want to do is you fear as a strategy. So exactly. if you sense fear, then you have to react. And that's where my ICE formula, identify, calculate, and escape. 
You have to have it all pre-planned out because we know in the real world, seconds can save your life. And this is what we can do to improve our success and our safety and gain cultural agility and learn languages and have all the benefits and the perks that you get from exploring the world. Exactly. Because it, and that's what I think about with kids specifically is, I mean, I, anyone here who has any age kid, but I have a three-year-old and a 15-year-old and she's learning to drive. And it's like, they can only get so much in their brains at one time. And there's like, talk about safety and precautions and planning, like having a kid start to learn to drive, you realize like, what can I impart to help her stay safe? Understanding like she can only take in a little bit at a time, but we have to like physically learn by doing here. And that's what this makes me think of. Like when kids go travel, I was that kid. I have those kids. I've sent my kid, um, we've sent her on many trips and it's like, you can only give them so much. So make sure that's really impactful and the ice formula or just different things that they can remember that are easy to implement. And it gives them so much empowerment. I think a lot of the things we're going to talk about, the human trafficking, the, the predatory, the predatory um, type of boundaries on social media. I think a lot of that stems from kids not having that, Carrie. They don't have an internal compass to say, this is not like true north, this is right or wrong. And so things can get over on them, unfortunately. And it's our duty as the elders in this generation and the parents to equip them with those things, even if it's you know, not incredibly long-witted, even if it's just small tools, they need to know this stuff. Um, you, you, you showed on our pre-call, there was like a stack of papers that had to do with like things that occurred overseas um, that like, it, it's almost like it fell through the cracks and like different things. As you talk about that, can you weave that in? I want people to get an understanding of how prevalent this stuff is. Right. Uh, well, as we're talking about uh, student safety, it's interesting because I started working with a senator here in Massachusetts on some legislation to protect students as they study abroad. Study abroad is an unregulated industry, and because it's unregulated, a lot of times it's not as transparent to uh, families how safe organizations or uh, travel programs are. And so I really want to change that because the parents deserve the truth. The de parents deserve to have access to the strategies, tools, and techniques access to what risk mitigation uh, strategies are in place. And what I've seen is, and, and unfortunately, I've worked with a number of parents who have lost their students on study abroad. And so as we talk about preventable deaths, this is what I need to help impart on students and parents, how we can prevent these things. And the only way we can prevent them is if we identify them and talk about uh, strategies to stay safer. And so as I, I we do have a, um, I have a, a book that I put together and it's of uh, different uh, situations that have had, uh, that have taken place overseas that unfortunately resulted in some really sad, uh, sad outcomes, including death. And so one of the things that is, that, that I see often is drownings. And so we really need to talk about how to prevent the grip of the rip if we're having students go swim. Mm. We have to talk with, uh, on field trips, if you have student and, and volunteers, volunteer chaperones that are taking a group of students to swim, that there's protocols in place that they abide by to protect the students because the parents aren't there. And one mm -hmm. really interesting uh, story, and I love sharing stories because this is one way we can teach uh, students and they retain a lot more information when we connect it to stories. But uh, one story was my daughter was planning on going to uh, Egypt. We were living over in Asia. She was going on a study abroad. She was at an international school. So before she left, we wanted to go up. My husband and I wanted to go up and talk with the director of this program just to see, you know, what safety measures were in place. And so we went up, we sat down with them and we said, okay, so what hotel are they staying? Who's in charge of this trip? And what boat will they be tra traveling up the Nile? And he looked at us, he was so embarrassed. And he said, oh my God, you guys are the first parents to ever ask me those questions. Oh and I God. don't know. God. And we thought, well, that's really odd. This this school is fantastic. Uh, they have armed guards. This school is is really wonderful. So as parents, we assume that that's the same type of level of safety that would be going with them on this trip. Yeah. And it wasn't. Now, it took us a few weeks to figure it all out, and we did. And we also had a backup plan. Somebody was in country, so if a catastrophic event did happen, they were tasked with getting her to safety. That was our plan. Not many people have that type of plan. But What's interesting is after a few days, um, you know, before she left, we prepared her, we went over her risk mitigation strategies, we added tools, techniques, and what to do in case, what ifs. And so sure enough, a few days into her trip, somebody knocked on her door. They said that they were with the maintenance, they were there to fix her air conditioner, but she remembered one of the strategies we taught her. You always call the front desk to confirm who knocked on your door. And wow. she did, as she called down and said, did you send maintenance out here? And they said, no, we didn't. 
wow. No, we didn't. And so right there, we knew that she saved her life because nobody would ever lie about who they are, lie about why you need to open that door unless they're a criminal. And criminals use the cold call technique globally every single day. Now, that one little tip can save all of us a lot of... That can save us. That's scary. Yeah. But once again, she had the strategies. She was thousands of miles away from us. She was a 10th grader and she knew what to do. And so that has stayed with her her whole entire life. And that story that I share, it stays with a lot of people because they remember if somebody knocks on the door, you don't have to answer it. Yeah. You confirm who it is before you ever answer that door. Exactly. And just think of like all the stories you hear of people who didn't have that, right? Like, I know this is why you do what you do, Carrie, and why you're so passionate. I I just adore that about you. And that scares me so bad. Um, Well, this feels like a good place to kind of weave this into all the the crazy type of world we live in today with human trafficking and predators. Um, Like, what tips do you have for people or or little heuristics like that? Or what awareness do you want to shed on this topic and anything you want to share that uh, parents could glean some value from to help keep them and their kids safe? Well, thanks for bringing this up because this is a really big issue in our society globally. Every single city around the world is affected by this, unfortunately. And uh, what's interesting is oftentimes people will think about human trafficking um, as that movie, uh, Taken, right? right? Have you seen that movie, Taken? Yeah, and it scares what? all of us. Yes, but it's interesting because uh, traffickers can use one of three areas, really. It's it's force, fraud, and coercion. But it's interesting because uh, people think of the Taken movie, but often it's more coercion that is happening with our children and the young people out in this world, about 80%. Okay. And this means that people are tricking them and fooling them. And uh, human traffickers are looking for people who are vulnerable because that is the type of person they know that they can get. They're looking for vulnerabilities. And, and so, for instance, if they're out and they meet somebody that might have, uh, you know, some domestic violence in their family, or maybe they've been sexually assaulted, or maybe they're homeless, or maybe they're a runaway, these are the types of people human traffickers are looking for. Now, they're targeting these people? They're, they're actually seeking out these kind of people? Oh, yes. They're absolutely seeking them out every single day. And wow. interesting... An uh, interesting uh, fact is within 48 hours of being on the street as a homeless youth, they'll be approached by a recruiter or a human trafficker. Now, these are some, you know, these are things that we really need to be talking with uh, with students because they need to understand the vulnerabilities of being out. Uh, let's say you're running away from your home or or if you see somebody on the street. Um, these are some of the things that we want to start thinking about. How can we as a society make this better. And one of the things that we can all do is start noticing things around us. If we notice somebody on a corner and they look like a young child, and we know they're out there all the time in like a downtown area or wherever you might be, it doesn't hurt to just call the human trafficking hotline. Give a FYI, hey, I keep seeing this person. They look young, they're on their own. You know, what do you think? And what's interesting about the human trafficking hotline is they're keeping statistics about calls, about, uh, you know, different information, and they pass it off to the police so that the police can go and check on the welfare of people. Now, it's interesting because, you know, uh, like I say, human trafficking happens in all different cities around our world. And one interesting story I remember is there was a gate guarded community down in uh, Georgia. And this family kept seeing the uh, person up in the second floor window. And they thought something was odd because there was a lot of cars that were coming. They finally called the police and there was a raid on that house. And they ended up rescuing so many women and girls in that house. Nobody thought it's a gate guarded community. Who would have thought? This is my point. It happens everywhere. So we have to take notice about what's happening in our community and give, you know, give these tips to the hotline to see if we can intervene, see if we can help. I'm so glad you said that, Carrie. And I like, I'm like embarrassed to share this, but this, I I venture, I'm not the only person who would be honest and say this. I didn't even know there was a protocol or what that protocol was when you see things like that. Like I probably just would have called the police, um, you know, or, or like, I just think people don't know what to do, how to help right? Or what to look for. So I'm really glad you gave those examples. I didn't know there was a human trafficking hotline. Like you see the posters in Atlanta airport, but it's like, you don't realize it's not just airports or, or modes of transportation. Like it can be anywhere. 
right? It absolutely, absolutely can. can. And you know, you I've, know heard, I've heard other stories about uh, high schools. There was a, a story that I could share about a high school situation. Would you like me to? Yeah, please. Okay, so there was a, a girl, she made friends with an, another boy that had just moved to the community and they became friends. She was invited over to his house to do homework. She was a, a young ninth grader. She went over and unfortunately, his older brother gave her a drink, it was drugged. And uh, after she drank it, she passed out. They ended up taking pictures of her. And then when she came to, they showed her the pictures and they said, listen, if you don't want to have everybody in this uh, this community know that you've done this and your parents and your church, mm -hmm. we want you to go out and meet somebody and you know do these certain things for us. And she felt that she mm -hmm. had to because how is she gonna get the pictures back? They said they would give the pictures back if she went and did this. Well, as soon as she went out and um, they, they had her have sex with somebody else, they videotaped that mm -hmm. and then they held that over her head. Now, the family had no idea. They were, they're straight A student all of a sudden stopped doing their homework, was depressed, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. Well, what happened was this older brother ended up putting her into human trafficking and they lost her for a few months. The parents went and searched and searched and searched. They found her, she was rescued, they brought her home, they got her support, and um, she was able to make a, a recovery from this situation. Oh but God. unfortunately, they never had the conversation in the beginning, which I really think is so important for our students to understand red flags. If somebody tells you to lie, if somebody tells you to keep a secret, if somebody says they're gonna show a picture of you in an inappropriate way, those are the red flags that you need to come straight to the parents and tell them. But we have to have this open communication exactly. and this plan up front before anything happens. Exactly. Because our students get fearful and they think they're doing the right thing, but they don't yes. understand the, the, the enormity of the situation and that there is a, a business, an industry based on children and people. And it's called human trafficking. We have to make the difference. We have to talk about it. And we have to understand how the predators are out trying to trick our children. Can the only way we can do that is with a conversation. With awareness and, and having them feel comfortable to come to you. Like this, these examples are, are in the worst, most like disgusting way incredible because they, they open your eyes. Like this is a little girl who was doing well, who had church, who had a family and community and she loved and she felt like they won't love me if. And I think that's, as a parent, we have to be so aware of that. Like you are already loved. You are already perfect. You don't need to do a damn thing. I just need you to be safe. And if you ever feel unsafe, even if it's embarrassing, even if it's whatever, you have to be able to come to me with that. And I think that's like, that's a lot leading from the front, right? Like if you are in a perfectionist home and your parents never show you anything but perfection and, and that they expect perfection just to show you the basics of love, then unfortunately, I don't think that message hits in that home as much as the parent who's like, hey, I just want to say sorry. I was short with you the other day. I was under stress. That was on me, my, my fault. I'm sorry. And now you have a, like a culture of family who we come to each other, even when we're not perfect. Like whenever you see things like that, like I see this in movies and shows and you read about them all the time. It's like these kids feel like they can't come to their parent for a reason. We as parents need to understand what that reason is and make sure that that's eradicated in our home so they feel safe. Right. And I tell you, I know this is a difficult conversation. I know it's really hard. It's, it makes people feel uneasy, but sure. let me tell you, it's a lot easier to have a conversation about prevention yeah. and bring up all sexual assault, human trafficking, uh, online predators. It's much easier to talk about it than to have to talk about it with a victim. So our community awareness, uh, prevention programs, the way that we talk about uh, all these issues with our children is so much better if we can just be honest and open about the situation that we're in, in this world. I think what you're doing is such important work and I'm so appreciative that you're bringing it out into the world. And um, I'm, I'm just so grateful for the message. I, I again, embarrassed because I don't know the answer to this, but I want to give people an idea of how prevalent this is. Cause I, like, again, it's like, we do a great job of like keeping the grass looking really clean and like all these things. And like, you don't always know what's going on in these areas and you will get a gut feeling for sure. If you're perceptive enough to see it and to look, but how prevalent is predatory environments, human trafficking? What, what does that climate look like now? Um, I would be interested to know. Yeah. Okay. So think about it in these terms, think about the drug trade, our global drug cool. trade. That is earning the, the most money in all of our world, the drug trade. Okay. Human trafficking is 
is almost equal to our drug trade. Trillions of dollars are being earned globally. And this is why it's so important. You know, they do hide it behind doors. They hide it in communities. They hide it in, uh, you know, in uh, travel locations. Like I said, I lived over in Asia. I lived in Bangkok, one of the, uh, you know, one of the capital sex trade capitals of our world. But unfortunately, the sex trade capital is moving. It's everywhere. It's in California. It's in Florida. It's in every single state. Mm-hmm. It's in every single country. And it's how well they hide it. And oftentimes we go out into our communities. I don't, you, you might not see drug use. You might not see prostitutes on the corner. Doesn't mean it's not happening. People are buying these services, people are buying drugs. And this is why we need to be talking about it all the time with our family. Because, you know, the one interesting thing that I can give as a correlation, uh, drugs you'll sell once, a human trafficked person, they can sell repeatedly every single day. That is heartbreaking. So when you think about trillions of dollars, that's not trillions of dollars, that's human life. That's human beings being tortured and exploited. And we need to stop that. We need to end that. And the only way we can do is by trying to protect our children of this world. Exactly. And one of the, and I, I think the more vulnerable they are in this world, like for instance, we have, uh, you know, a lot of children that might be, um, you know, in group homes or they might be, um, you know, being adopted or they might be in, you know, different situations of families. Uh, and, and I think when we look at the most vulnerable of our children in this world, we need to make sure that there's resources available for them to be able to get into touch with somebody to help them. And so it's all about awareness, communication, and making sure that the resources are available and that we're putting money into these resources. Because once a human trafficker victim gets out of the work, we need to make sure that they have a place to go, a place to live their life, a place to flourish and grow. You know, just because somebody's a victim doesn't mean that they're a victim for life. Exactly. They're survivors and they can go on and have amazing lives and help others. And that's what I've seen. I've spoke with hum- uh, people that have been human uh, trafficked and the extraordinary work that they're doing in today's society is ex- enormous. And that reminds me once more about how um, individuals, no matter where you are in this world, if you're working somewhere, you might notice something. And once again, we want to be sure to call the human trafficking hotline. But one example was a flight attendant and she was on an airplane and you know, flight attendants, doctors, uh, you know, a lot of different hotel staffs, they're all trained to look for these key indicators. Key indicators might be the, the woman won't speak or the girl or the child won't speak or answer right. a question when you ask them a question, the person that they're with will answer that question. Well, the stewardess went and she asked this, this girl, young girl, uh, can I get you a drink? And the man uh, spoke up and he said, uh, she'll have a water. And so the, the stewardess thought, this is really odd. Uh, some, something's off here. So she went back and asked her another question. He interrupted again and answered for her. She said, this is a big red flag. So what happened was she ended up writing a note and she sent it, uh, she put it in the bathroom. And when the girl got up to go to the bathroom, there was a note in there. She said, write, help me if you like, write, put a check here if you need help. And so after she went to the bathroom, she came back and sat down and the, the stewardess went in there. The flight attendant went in there and she had marked that box. So she knew that girl needed help. She contacted the pilot of the plane. They called authorities. So when they landed that plane, police got right onto that that flight and they got the girl and the man and it found out she was being human trafficked all around the United States. They literally saved her life by taking that one extra step. And she went off to go to college. She graduated college and she has a flourishing job and she is like a beacon of hope and and a a beacon of hope for everybody in this industry. Wow. That's amazing. Goosebumps all over my body. That's wow. So you see like the TikToks and like, like different things on the media that's like, they're like different signs. So what I want to spend a few minutes talking about is like that exactly. Like some telltale signs in your own kid that maybe something is off. Um, what does that look like? And then when you are out and about and you're just gaining some more social awareness, like if you don't have the opportunity to ask people questions, right? Because I think that's a good one. Like what are some watch outs on both ends within your home and then in this in society to help you aware? And if you see these things out and about, at, you know, at a store, what do you do about it? Right. 
So interesting, when you're talking about, uh, you know, as you're watching your children and seeing differences in their behaviors, this is where I want to stop. I want people to start thinking of like, for instance, we have an online student safety program. It's for the parents, I give it to the parents first, and then uh, once we get through the whole program, then they choose to have the program given again to them and their student. Because I always want the parents to understand my curriculum and all that we talk about. And so, so when we're having these conversations before anything happens, then the student would understand Right, it's it's being exactly. proactive with 100%. their safety. We need to have the communication before anything ever happens. Yeah. But some of the things that you might see afterwards, if you don't ever have the conversation, is they're being secretive with what they're doing online. They might be receiving gifts in the mail from people you don't know. They're spending a lot more time on the internet and they don't want to like communicate with family and they're doing other things. Now, this could be just a typical teen though too. Right, right? that's so the this is why. Yeah. Right? And in fact, there was a study that was done at Yale and it was about how when kids are about 13, they stop listening to, you know, they stop listening to parents and start listening to others. And it's all a healthy way of growing and being able to separate yourself from the family so you can excel and grow. So Mm -hmm. these are all typical, um, you know, place, place marks in a child's life as well. But once again, if we go back to that communication, building safety skills and resilience and positive communication in an age appropriate way is the most important thing for us to have. Because I I recall a time that I I had a a parent and a father in one of my programs. And one of the things that we talk about is sexting or uh, sending Mm -hmm. nudes. This is what some of the kids do at at high schools and middle school. And so I always like to bring this up, especially with our our daughters and and fathers and and daughters and mothers and all, you know, even sons, right? We want to be able to talk about sextortion and values and boundaries. But it was interesting because there was some studies that have been going around and they were saying approximately 50% of all students send nudes nowadays. That's shocking for most of us to hear. And so so I I threw the statistic out there. I said, well, listen, at your school, is it about 50 or is it 60%? And you know what she said back to me? It's about 70% of students are sending these naked pictures. And the father was shocked. But you know what I say? Don't ever let on that you're being shocked. This is just something to elevate our conversation to sextortion. Now, sextortion is is you know one of the uh biggest growing crimes that are happening with students but it's also the most preventable Preventable. so let me say that again sextortion is the fastest growing crime against children but it's the most preventable and how is it most preventable by telling our kids that if you do take an inappropriate picture somebody might use it to blackmail them exactly and this has been happening we have seen this happen. We have lost students from suicide because of this happening because exactly. they felt that they couldn't come to their parents. Exactly. And a perfect example of this was a football player. He was a star. He was a senior at school and he got this great picture of a naked girl. And this girl said, oh, my God, I love you. This is I'm so excited. I'm a freshman. I'm coming to your school. This is a picture of me. Send me back a picture. I really want to see you and meet you. And he thought, wow, this girl likes me. She just sent a naked picture. This is you know, this is really great. And then he sent one back. The next text was, that wasn't me. You have to pay $300 or this picture is going to the school, your church and your parents, $300. And so the guy, he was like a senior in high school, didn't really have much money, but he he scraped up $300, uh, Venmoed it, got it, you know, over to the person. The next text back was, we want a thousand. And he didn't have a thousand. And within 12 hours, he killed himself. And this is why I bring this up with parents and students, because I want to say if if it has happened in the past, if you have taken an inappropriate picture, listen, you got to be like the Kardashians. Uh, you know, that's oh, yeah, that's a great picture. Like you can't you, you need can't, to own it. You uh, need to just. Yeah, you need to own it. And you can't let them they you can't let them take your life. Exactly. Ever. Exactly. Parents can do something. There's there's strategies that there's the IC3, the FBI group. There's a lot of groups out there that can help try to scrub these pictures off the internet, especially if you're underage. And there's pe- and you are the victim if this happens to you. The other person is the perpetrator. They're the criminal that's doing this. And we need to make sure that the kids understand those parameters. Criminals, criminals and predators and victims. And we, if we want to prevent ourselves from being a, uh, a victim, then we don't take inappropriate pictures that we wouldn't want to share with our grandmother. 
That's exactly. And, and, and that, that goes to missions and values. And like, and I know what happened and kids are trying to figure out who they are. And it's like, if you dial this back to when I was a kid and other people were kids, like we did not have this type of, um, you know, phone uh, culture where like every little thing could be missed, mistook, most mistook for something way, way worse and used against you because I'm sure, I'm sure it would have happened with us too. And it's like, we just have to give them a forum. Like, I wonder how many parents who are listening to this can have the honest look at themselves and say, does your kid have a Snapchat? Do they have, you know, a TikTok sign is bad, but like, even look at like Snapchat. Do before they got a Snapchat, did you give them any of this knowledge? Right. Because I, like I was on a walk with my daughter a few weeks ago and she doesn't have snap anymore and I didn't make her delete it, but we had a conversation about it. And this is, this is before I met you, but this is what we talked about. How statistically, if she had 10 guys on there, I mean, she has a bunch of more girls than guys because these are her friends from my school and sports, but statistically out of every 10 guys on that, three of them are predators, three of them. And you know what snaps are, they're all pictures, even if they're not new, they're just pictures, right? Their shoulder, their eyeball, like all the random things, but it's all this like, trust building relationship stepladder and people know how to do it. And and she's like, oh, and this is a mate talks your kids about this stuff. But she's like, oh, but I can see them. I'm like, and what makes you think that's them? Right. Because it matches their profile. Do you know this person from school? And just like the story that I shared about the high school student that killed exactly. themselves. It could that, be their- who knows? And they never found out who that was. But that could have been a 50-year-old man. It could have been a 60-year-old woman. We don't know who that was just because they send you a picture or even put their name. You still do not know that that's them. And that brings me to a really important um, uh, site that I always ask parents during my program. um, Does your student have Omegle? And Omegle is an online um, forum for communicating with strangers. Like that's the whole purpose of it. And the sad thing about that is predators are using this. So um, I was with another group and I asked the parent, um, does your child have Omegle? And she's like, no, no, we don't have that. And I looked at the the student, I said, do you, or have you ever gone on Omegle? And she goes, oh yeah, me and my girlfriends go on and we laugh a lot. And I thought, oh geez, okay. So just FYI, this platform has a lot of inappropriate uh, videos happening. And that brings me to a really interesting point, and I always talk about this as well in my program, is that in uh, in 2019, porn sites had more traffic than Amazon, Twitter, and Netflix combined, okay? That's that's a lot of people watching inappropriate programs. And 26% of 13 to 17 year olds actively seek porn. So we have to have that conversation as well. What oh. is that? Uh, how, how does that make you feel? How, you know, uh, do you understand that these are oftentimes paid actors? This is not true love. Like this is not yeah. a great place to get your sex, sex education from. And, you know, once again, it goes back to your value, your family values and boundaries. And as a child, you're better off not seeing pornography yeah. mentally, your health, it's better for you not to. So how are we as parents, you know, putting the parameters on our, you know, the internet and the, the sites that our students are going to? And there's a really great program and it's called Bark, B-A-R-K. And they have really great parental, um, parental guidance and ways to, uh, you know, protect your, your children's cell phones. But I always say, you need to have the conversation about online student safety and online safety yeah. three years before they ever get a cell phone. Oh, right. You can't do it afterward. I mean, you can, and you should. You should well, do it at any point. And, and I venture most, I venture most of us are in the after, or in the after box. But what is that, what is that Confucius right. saying? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best, best time is now, right? So it's, be, it's better right. than that. Yes, I, I just love that. I love that. Because you know what's happening to our kids? They're having lower self-esteem. They're having anxiety, stress, shame. They're, they're having lower grades. They're having di- eating disorders and mental health problems. Yes. And you know what? For the first time in history, mental health and suicide is the greatest threat to our school-aged children. Jeez. That, that's, that's enough right there. We, yeah. need to, we need to have these open conversations and, and, and help our kids understand what's going on. This goes back to what, how we started with like the two different types of safety. I'm so sorry. This lag is awful. Sorry about that. Um, but like the two different types of safety, there's the physical safety of like the now protecting the the actual kid, the body. But then there's the psychological safety of what 
are we teaching them? What is happening? And, and are we setting them up to have a successful, happy life? If they're you know, efficacy and their understanding of life is porn. And that's what relationships should look like. And it's just like, it's just constantly and and not even just in a sexual way, but like your own body and your, your brain and how it's developing. And just feels like we're setting them up to be constantly unhappy with who they are so that they're more easily manipulated by all of the things, all the advertisements, all the drugs, all, and I don't say drugs, I don't mean illegal. I mean the pharmaceutical kind too, right? Like all those different things. And it's not having an understanding of like, I'm already whole right? That doesn't sell as much, right? You're already perfect. You don't need any of this. That's not as easy to sell. So, but, but we have to do that. And if we don't do it, it's not going to happen. And it makes them more vulnerable to all these things. It's very eye-opening. Yeah, it's true. And, and if, if not you, then who, who's going to teach your children? Who's going to try to give them the best path forward, right? It's, it's their loving family, whoever that may be, a grandparent, you know, a mom, a dad, a brother, sister, whoever's stepping up to uh, try to have these conversations and help them identify because you want to you want to give them the tools. Because what I know is most victims uh, are victimized when they're on their own alone. Okay. And, you know, back in the olden days, we had the, you know, the stereotypical uh, van that would pull up and try to give you care. Well, now it's inside your child's bedroom on their computer. Exactly. And so one of my best strategies for parents is have blackout periods, take some time, disconnect, conversation, you know, have conversations with your children and make it a habit. It's a lot easier to start these habits when they're younger, but that's OK. We can start them at any time of, you know, of life. And, and when you're making your child know that you uh, love them, that you respect them, that you want them to succeed and you, you know, and they want you to succeed as well. Cause you know, it's a whole family dynamic. I mean, in a lot of families nowadays, we have divorce and we have other issues happening. So yeah. even when some you know chaotic things are happening in our lives, we still need them to have that foundation, that exactly. foundation of love from their family, no matter how that looks. Whatever the family means, right? Cause it means so many different things nowadays. So Carrie, give us a few things to help start those conversations. Let's say that, you know, a parent listening to this doesn't feel like the, these foundations have been set well and they want to, you know, they want to do a better job having those conversations. When you work with your clients and what are some of those, how do you start those conversations with your kids around these things? Let's say, I mean, whether they're young or older, like give me a few conversation starters. Right. Well, just, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, we want to do it age appropriately, right? And what's interesting is all, you know, when I'm talking with parents and, and we're looking at like netiquettes, like for our younger kids and, and etiquettes for our older kids. But also it's interesting because you can't just say, um, don't meet anybody online. Like you can't meet anybody that you meet online because that's not what's happening nowadays. We have dating websites and people are, are, are meeting people off of line. So we need to put these into two different categories. For a younger age, this is true. You wanna make sure that you understand who your friends are that you've accepted friend requests, right? We can't get into that trap of, you know, I'm on social media, I need a thousand likes for this picture. We have to get away from uh, okay. having that validation from strangers. We need the validation from inside our home and that comes from hard work and dedication and what we're doing in society. How are we giving back? What type of activities are we doing to volunteer? Like those are where we wanna teach our kids to get gratitude and, and happiness from, is how you're helping others, not from how many likes you get on a picture. And another interesting thing, then when we have our other group, which is a little bit older, maybe they're in high school and they are on a dating website in 11th or 12th grade, maybe not, maybe it's college, right? But what I've found is talking to a number of students is they are on these websites. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't wanna date, but they're swiping left and swiping right and doing all these things. Then we need to make sure that we have protocols in place to how to be safe to meet a, a stranger in public. Right. Even when it comes down to purchasing something online, you go on to Craigslist and you find something, you're going to buy it. What's the safest way to meet that stranger in public? And we always suggest to families, if ever you're going to buy something from somebody, make the trade off in a police parking lot. Nice. Police parking lots will have cameras. They'll have the CCTV cameras. And the most likely you're going to be a, it's going to be a little bit of a safer a transaction. And so this is the whole category is identifying your risk appetite and then closing your risks with risk mitigation. 
And it's all about how do you identify your risks and how do you identify risk mitigation? Yeah. And it all comes down to really thinking about risk and safety from a new perspective. And that's really what I want people to do, whether they're traveling, whether it's student travel, whether it's online, whether it's, you know, what, whether it's uh, summertime safety at the beach, at the pool. There's so many other things that we can do to start these conversations. And when students start to think about risk and safety from a new perspective, then we've done our job. Exactly. 100%. Wow, this has been very eye-opening. Um, so as we wrap, uh, I would love for you to share with people, you do a lot of different things. So share with them some of the best ways for them to start approaching the safety conversation in their home, what you offer as tools to help with that, whether that's online safety or assessments for travel, um, especially as we're going into the summer. And then I know you always like to um, share like two or three travel summer tips or just travel tips for families. So if you want to weave that in as well, um, as we wrap, since it is uh, summertime and a lot of people are traveling, I think that would be very valuable as well. Yeah. So what I suggest is come to my website. It's globalsecurestudent.com. We also have globalsecureresources.com. But come over there. Take a look at what we have offered. We have a lot of virtual programs, which is really great, personalized virtual programs. Awesome. So what we can do is make sure that we're starting the conversation with you. And so that's what I find is the, the best option oh, yeah. is yeah. have it's a, it's a strategized program to make sure that you're um, – leading your children in the right direction and getting them to think about risk and safety from a new perspective. Now, the other thing is we do talk about summertime safety. It's really important for us to match our student or our children's uh, uh, skill level to the water that they're swimming in. So for instance, if it's a pool, we want to make sure that we're not relying on water wings. Sometimes people are putting water wings and thinking that that's fine, but I've seen uh, children slide out of their water wings, which was really quite scary. But I always like to talk about the 10-20 rule. And that means that you want to scan every 10 seconds your children, make sure that you know exactly where they are, and then only be 20 seconds away for a rescue. It's really important because every single year we have uh, children that drown. And so the best way for us to prevent that, because it's preventable, is making sure that we're keeping an eye on our children. The next thing is if you're at the beach, we want to make sure we know how to break the grip of the rip. And this comes from, first of all, uh, I always suggest that people do uh, swim in an area where a lifeguard is. Make sure that you're checking for the flags of the area. Make sure you do a research of the beach that you're swimming at. Is there a shore break? We've had uh, children and um, even adults uh, be hurt because of shore breaks. And we had a really uh, a, a amazing beach in San Diego that I love, but there it was called Bird Rock, but we had a big uh, shore break and tourists every single year would get hammered and, and you know brought out to the ocean. And, and we had many rescues there, but another really important thing to do is not rely on uh, lifeguards but make sure you're trying to stay where lifeguards are we don't want to use lifeguards as like a babysitter oh they got an eye on our children no we want to keep our own eye on our children to make sure that they're successful and safe um the other thing i really highly recommend people to do is make sure that you get cpr certified be ready to uh, use rescue techniques on your family another really important uh, training to do is stop the bleed and so in the event, uh, the event of like a mass casualty event, responding uh, and, and getting bleeding under control is so important because the number one cause of preventable death after injury is bleeding. Wow. And so it's life-threatening. We need to know these key strategies to protect our family. And once again, I always say seconds can save your life. Um, back to a couple of safety tips. For instance, if you're traveling anywhere, I always start with three questions. I want you to know the emergency number of where you're traveling to. I want you to uh, sign up for the STEP program, which is the uh, State Department uh, program. It's the Safe Traveler Enrollment Program. I want to make sure, which is a free program, by the way. And what they'll do is do push notifications. If there's any type of safety issue happening in the area that you're traveling, they'll push you out a notification, really important. Make sure that you're confirming that you have your medical uh, uh, insurance. I always add an additional program called MedJet. I love MedJet. I'll make sure I leave the link for that. Um, and then I want people to understand the risk, uh, the travel advisories. There's four of them. Make sure that they equate with your insurance because if you go to a location that's a level four, sometimes level three, your insurance might not cover you. So you wow. got to make sure that you understand that. Also, looking at the uh, the risk indicators for each country because a couple of uh, a little while ago, the State Department added in risk indicators, which are really great because once you know a risk indicator for a country, then you can strengthen your safety and close that safety gap based 
on those indicators. Wow. Uh, next, I want people to have tools to stay safe. And that's a stash band too. Uh, you know, I have a whole list. I should just uh, make sure that I send you a link for all my safety tools so that you could share with everybody. Cause I don't know if we have That'd much time for me Thank to go you. into all the different tips. Oh uh, yeah. I, anything that, that would be amazing. I mean, you have so many resources. This is incredible. Um, yeah. Any, any top ones you want to share? The list is fine. We're, we're down for the journey. <laughs> Well, I love the stash band. The stash band is one of my favorite tools because one of the interesting things is petty crime globally. So yeah. they're earning billions of dollars. Okay. So you want to make sure that your passport is safe and your cell phone is safe and your credit cards are safe. A stash band goes underneath your clothing and you can put a couple of important things like your passport, some money, a credit card, and your cell phone. And if everything else gets stolen, at least you can get a taxi, a hotel, and get the heck out of the country if you need. Now, uh, so stash band is the best. Um, wander safe. That's a GPS location beacon. It's a really wonderful safety tool. And it also has a personal alarm and a flashlight. Uh, another thing, make sure that you download offline maps. So that way, if you lose internet, you still have a map of where you're going. Make sure you have plenty of battery charger charging. And then also, if you don't have battery charger, you might have to stop and, and uh, charge up your phone somewhere. Make sure that you get a, a data blocker. Data blockers are really important to prevent any type of malware going onto your uh, cell phone or your computer while you're out traveling the world. Because wow. we have juice jackers, which are the uh, cyber criminals that are out trying to get your information as well. And the other really, really important thing is, is make sure that you fill out a DS5505 privacy form. And that will help if you end up missing or something happens and you want a family member to discuss your case with the embassy, they'll need to sign this form. Wow. And so any anybody over 18, if you want, you know, your loved one to be able to communicate about you, this form is really important. Um, and I have a story about why that's so important. But this uh, last year we had a student, his name was Ken, and he was studying over in Europe and he went missing. And his his parents went crazy looking for him, putting up wanted posters and missing posters. And they started a website. They were on uh, the TV, all different uh, national news saying, please help me find our son. You know, and they were everywhere. And then a couple weeks later, he just turned up. He literally went off the, off the grid and was doing his own thing. But his parents were panicked, thinking that something bad happened. And so once again, this is why it's so important for us to have a communication, a communication of our plan of how often we'll check in. Is it once a day? Is it once a week? Is it once a month? Or is it never? Just make sure that you're talking about it so nobody panics. Uh, when he came uh, you know, back on the grid and he found all these missing posters and all the, he was mortified because he just thought he was you know, doing his own thing. Good God. I didn't realize <laughs> looking for him. So that, that privacy him want to know he's breathing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it's important because uh, his family didn't have this form and so they couldn't communicate directly with the embassy about their son. And that was really painful for them. And, you know, the, the reason they do that is because sometimes people do want to go off the grid and they don't want anybody to know where they are. And that's fine. But if you're one of the other type like me, I want to make sure if I go missing and my family can, yeah. you know, go find me, then I want that form signed. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Communication. How about like make sure to see God. You know, this, this is really good stuff. Um, I just want to end by saying thank you again, Carrie, for the work that you're doing in this world. Um, the fun thing about you is like, although you're so safety minded, like you are probably one of the most well-traveled people I've ever met. So it doesn't come from a place of fear. Again, it comes out of a place of this world is meant to be explored and appreciated and enjoyed, but just, just your tips from working, you know, in government related areas for over a decade and just learning some of the tips and tricks that, you know, the elite use when they travel and, and people don't have access or any knowledge of. So I appreciate you bringing that to us. And I really appreciate the emphasis on some of the really hard topics uh, concerning our children's safety and trafficking, because I don't think it's talked about enough on family podcasts. Um, and I think if, you know, any preventable one, even one case is worth it, right? Because depending on the reach, you might know someone or you might just see something and you're changing someone's life. So again, it's just super important to talk about, to tell, tell our kids about, like the world is a beautiful place and there's a lot of amazing things, but you know what? There is some stuff we need to be aware of and we need to steer clear of and we need to um, do our duty to help others stay safe, right? By reporting things. So um, again, that was awesome. Are there any final, um, any final words of wisdom you want to share before we wrap? 
I would just say to stay safe, prevention is key. And discussing these topics as travel safety, avoiding scams, cybersecurity, water safety, all of these things in order to mitigate our risks are the most important thing that we can do for our family and ourselves to make sure that we're successful in this world. And so I just wanna say thank you so much. I'll make sure to add in some resources for you to add to the uh, to your viewers as well about the domestic uh, hotline, the human trafficking hotline. And also I'll just mention one other really quick one and that's the suicide crisis lifeline and it's 988. And we want our kids to have this number. We want uh, you know our families to have that. If there's a crisis in your life, there's somebody willing to talk with you 24 seven, we can work it out. And so please just make sure you reach out for help if you need it. So That's thank awesome. you so much again for having me. Um, this was incredible. I've learned so much. You have such hard hitting topics and they're so important. The last thing I'll share with our parents is I'm actually going to use Carrie's uh, risk assessment on a, we're, we're traveling internationally coming up over the summer. And as a mom now, like when I was a kid, I would jump out of airplanes. I, I would like jump off. I would do a lot of jumping. Evidently I would jump off cliffs. I would bungee jump. There's a lot of jumping. And now that I'm a parent and I'm traveling internationally with my kids, it's amazing the risk aversion and how different I feel about these things, but I still have the wanderlust and I still want them to appreciate and explore the world because that's what's given me my perspective. And I feel like it's a gift. Um, but that being said, there is that uh, pit in my stomach, like what if, what if, what if, and then I met Carrie and what she's telling me is it's not what if it's, you know, and this is what you do if. And so it's a preparation base. So I will be using her family risk assessment, which you can click on her link below. I'll put it in all the descriptions. And she'll actually walk through with you where you're going, what could be a potential hazard. Here's what you do if that happens. And it's like a briefing that you read before you go and to have tools at your disposal in case something happens. And that way you can just go into your family vacations this summer, feel really good about them, um, even if you're a domestic, not necessarily internationally. So just wanted to share with parents, that's what um, I will be using. And I know that's one of the many tools you offer um, along with the book. Definitely check out the book. It really helps with just kids um, self uh, self-awareness and boundaries, not even if they're traveling, but just with what Carrie shared, just uh, conversations at schools that they're having. Uh, but it starts with us and having those conversations. So Carrie, thank you again. Uh, parents, this was a, a longer one, but goodness, what is it just packed with amazing information? Not necessarily easy to hear, but super, super important. Um, so parents, thank you all for being here. And until the next perfect time, everybody stay beautiful and stay inspired, I guess. Thank you.